This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio. Sponsored by fanjewel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Hello and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hamling and tonight I'll be guiding you through our review of the 2-2 draw with Leicester City. A decent game but failed to get the win that would have secured safety, but still a great game to watch nonetheless. Uh, the panel and I will be giving our views in just a moment, but if you want to get in touch with the show today, go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways you can get in touch with us today. We'll be back after this short message. dreamt of playing a full 90 minutes at Selhurst Park? Now is your chance. Visit www.holradio.net for more information. Right, it's time to introduce the panel. I have with me today, Ed Kellaway. Good evening. Good evening, Ed. We have Mr. D.R. Kernas. Mac Oxmoor. Good evening. <laughs> Listen, mate, we, we've got to talk about that off air. I mean, just, you know, it's a problem. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later, all right? And also, we have Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter, Patrick. Nice to have a little bit of decorum there, remembering the time of year that it is. Uh, no worries, the other no two worries. didn't seem to be bothered about that, but fair enough. Happy Easter, everyone. Oh, it's a bit late now. Too late. late to yeah. <laughs> a couple of things before we get started on the review of the game. Uh, first is... That uh, later on, we'll be opening the phone lines. If you are interested in giving the sh- show a call today, it's 0208 123 6699. We'll be opening the phone lines about halfway through the show. Um, yeah, by all means, you don't have to. It means, <laughs> it means we'll probably finish on time if you don't, but quite happy to hear from you if you've got a point to add to the panel. Uh, also, uh, just a quick reminder that we are running a charity match on the 24th of May. That's a Wednesday. Uh, already had plenty of applicants to play in that. Uh, I don't know what the short link is at the moment, actually, but I'm sure Mikey will tell me uh, very, very shortly. But basically what it is, uh, we'll be raising money for uh, the Palace for Life Foundation and also for a, a couple of charities that, um, that are close to our hearts as well. Um, and that's really, we're crowdfunded next year, so we kind of feel that any any sort of money we had left over needed to go to charity. And, then it, and we kind of just felt with a couple of the donations we got, we needed to do something sort of a bit special. So we really hope that as many of you as possible get a chance to play at Sellers in a full 11-a-side match. It really is a fantastic thing. And it was the, the newly launched Palace for Life Foundation that gave us a chance to do that on Wednesday, the 24th of May. Uh, all the details go to holradio.net forward slash play at Selhurst. Uh, if you do miss out on, on our one, there is also a auction that the Palace for Life Foundation are doing to play on a similar match on the 27th. Uh, that's got a couple of ex-players involved in it, and I, I believe Eddie McGoldrick's going to be managing one of the teams, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a massive event as well, and they're actually auctioning off places um, as well. So do check out the Palace for Life Foundation website, um, which I'm sure you could just find by Googling because I haven't made a note of that. I am terrible. That's just an absolute fact. Um, anyway, so, um, 
yeah, let's let's get on with talking about the game. Um, it was it was two two. It wasn't it was an excellent game, and I think that was reflected in the fact that it was game of the day on Sky. Uh, less sort of uh, impressed with the BBC second last on match of the day. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, kind of don't know what to say about that. But it was an excellent game of football. But we did have the worst possible start. It was only four minutes on the clock. Uh, the team had started, I think, felt looked, looked a little bit uncertain after the glory of the 3-0 victory against Arsenal in those opening exchanges. And it, it started with a long throw. It was um, thrown in by Christian Fuchs. Obviously, the team knew about that danger. And it was Robert Huth who glanced a header into the into the into the net and you know Hennessy couldn't get near it. The defense kind of just stood and watched. And it's interesting to hear Sam Allardyce talk about after that they'd practiced it actually on the Sellers pitch, how they were going to defend and who was going to stand where. And Patrick, we've seen Ward watch it happen. We've seen Sacco watch it happen. You've seen Luca let him make the run, and and, and you saw the afterwards it was Sacco would shout at Benteke. Um, it was a, it was just an absolute mess, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a back to Pardew type of defending. Um, the four things that you picked out, um, you know, I'll go over real quickly. I thought the, um, well, one, the fact that they'd gone over it and then they looked like they hadn't gone over it because that's what the manager said in the post-match. Uh, secondly, Milivojevic definitely seemed like he had Huth and then he kind of looked, then didn't jump. Um, Ward got out-jumped, but I've seen Ward get up-jumped by Alexis Sanchez before, so that didn't really surprise me that much. And I really would have liked to see the keeper come for that ball. Honestly, Chris, I don't know if they worked on that in training. Maybe he wasn't supposed to come for it. But a ball into the box like that, you really can at least attempt to come out and punch it out. He kind of stood there. So that was a little disappointing. But overall, it was very poorly defended. It was really a tough way to go down so quickly in the match. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's so many things you can actually point out on that. I, you know, I hadn't even started with, with the fact the keeper is standing where he is. Yes, he's got he's got Vardy standing across him and uh, obviously a couple right. of the Palace defenders in a round. And you see the Palace defence is also on a line on the six-yard box. So you're kind of looking yep. for someone to step out of that line and come claim it. But clearly, everyone was waiting for someone else to do something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and no one really knows who. Uh, DR, it was, it was poor defending, wasn't it, really, all round? Yeah, it was poor defending. I think, personally, it was Lucas' fault because he was initially marking Hoof which was quite odd because Hoof's a very big person. And then he moved right away uh, as soon as the throne was taken. So, and Joe Ward came to head her out. So I think there was all confusion. Everyone was all over the place for that. I don't think uh, we were set up correctly and it's just a poor goal to concede. And uh, Ed, did you sort of fear the worst at that point? We all know what Leicester are good at. They uh, they take their chances and, and, and then they catch people when they have to chase a game. Was it fear the worst at that point? Yeah, I mean, it was a super soft goal to concede, wasn't it? I think, with DR, I think it was Luca. I don't know if they were picking up man for man or whether they were just zoning across the six-yard box, but watching it back on the highlights, Lucas, I don't know if he gets the flight of the ball wrong or the pace of the ball wrong. He sort of takes two or three steps forward and just goes completely underneath it, and that leaves a bit of a gap behind him that Hoof comes in. And I really don't, not a fan of zonal marking where they're all static across that six yard box the player like Hoof running onto the ball is always going to win a header when he's got a five yard run on it against someone who's just doing a standing jump and with zonal marking there's no sort of responsibility of oh that was your man that scored the goal it's all uh, you see not Arsenal do it when they concede after zonal marking and no our, our lads did it yesterday all pointing at each other and blaming each other whereas if it's man for man you know who your man is. You don't let him win that header. So yeah. Well, um, a lot of teams, a lot of teams do take do that zonal marking. Well, they they have there's a combination of both, don't they? Certain players are are picked up man for man, and then they have uh, you know two to three people who are responsible for a zone in case the the ball goes in a location and you know to try and stop people being caught out by a run and all that kind of stuff. So it's I don't know really. I don't really what what to say. I, I do hate zonal marking like, like you said. It's it doesn't ever seem to result in anything good. But I suppose it's hard to actually notice when it does work. You know, space doesn't score a goal, as they say. Um, yeah. But uh, we don't we don't do it on yeah. corners. So I don't know why we try to do it on the on the long throw corners. We have Benteke is sort of on the six yard box in line with the near post to attack that anything that comes in there, and everyone else goes man for man. So. Why we were doing it for the long throw-ins, which the way he throws them in are effectively like a corner. We should have just wait, set up wait, yeah. the same way. 
Well, if anything, the, the, the throw-in is more precise than the corner, isn't it? It's, it's a, if you've got that weapon in your arsenal, so to speak, it's, you know, Stoke did it for years with Rory Delap, didn't they? He was, yeah. you know, you, if you had the choice between a long throw and a corner, you'd take the long throw because he can put it exactly where he needs to be. And, you know, look, we fell for it. We knew it was going to happen. They practiced. And, and, you know, Allardyce brutally honest about it. He said, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't anything clever. They just forgot. The players just plain forgot what they were told to do. They had a look at it at half time and he said nobody was standing where they were. So it's certainly not an individual's fault in the, in the eyes of the manager. But, you know, where there are mistakes like that, you do like to see, um, you know, other players covering. And that's, that's the only thing that really disappointed me other than conceding. It was, it was the fact that no one kind of took that responsibility and just thought, okay, look, we haven't got in the position we should be in, but, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take responsibility, and I'm looking again, looking at Luca. Perhaps just take that responsibility. Just get your body in on hoof as he jumps, and maybe he doesn't get quite an easy header. Patrick. Yeah, in the chat room, Chris. Um, so SE remembered says agree. Surprised we're so poor defending. What effectively an old Big Sam tactic. JJ did the same. Did them for Bolton the long yeah. throw. Heard us all game. It's a good point. I mean, he actually had a player who did exactly that same thing. So the fact that we were, can't say we weren't prepared or, or ready for it, we just didn't defend it very well. Yeah, they're very disappointing. Uh, Dio, you're looking at Facebook today. That was the chat room, uh, Patrick's in there. That's holradio.net forward slash chat. Uh, anything on Facebook yet, Dio? Because we're, we're just testing you out here. You can say no if there's nothing, but we haven't really communicated. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really on Facebook. They're just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Jerry. Kerry Cole, come on, Palace. And there was a question from Mark Callaghan: Do we know if Saka's uh, Saka can play against Liverpool next match? I could ask that. Saka cannot play against Liverpool, uh, so that's, yeah, that's that's something for Terence and his preview show in midweek uh, to discuss what on earth we're going to do about that <laughs> because um, <laughs> that scares the hell out of me. But at least I don't have to worry about talking about it myself. Um, Okay, dear, thanks. So if you do ask listening live on Facebook or you want to switch over to listening live on Facebook, just go to facebook.com, obviously, and search for Homesdale Radio on there. You'll find our page. Uh, make sure you like the page and you'll see the latest uh, article that we've published on there is a, uh, a live link to the show. And get your comments in on there. And DR will be doing his very best to pay attention to it uh, throughout the course of the show and bring your comments onto the programme. All right, so we had a little bit of a wobble after that, but eventually got ourselves back in it and um, in, ter- in terms of the, the, the play um, and were much the better team in the first half. And I suppose cre- the, the final ball just seemed a little bit lacking. You had Wilf very, very closely marked. Uh, Leicester were guilty of a lot of sly fouls, you know, a lot of kicks off the ball, all that kind of stuff. Um, and before we talk about the, the one real chance we had in the first half, gents, uh, Leicester time-wasting from sort of, you know, 10 minutes into the game. Ed, what did you think about that tactic? You know, we, we kind of, when it's your team doing it, you, you sort of ignore it. But when you're watching a team start to time waste that early on, what are your thoughts? Oh, this is a bit embarrassing for the champions of England, isn't it? Coming to Sellers Park and time wasting from 20 minutes onwards. Like, I've said it a few times about Palace, we need to be a little bit cuter with stuff like that. But that's in, with 15 minutes to go when you're pretty protecting a lead not 20 minutes in it was every single throw in was the guy goes about he's about to take it and he goes oh no actually you take it mate and drops the ball yeah. and the fullback comes up and takes it and just you painful just, you, you kind of think why but then you you know what it is they're trying to build a, a sense of frustration they're trying to disrupt the rhythm of the team but i mean dr when well, you when you see a team time waste do you think do you think that actually they're showing us a bit of respect by doing that? Um, you know, if they're, if they're that worried about us that they have to resort to those tactics in the first half, is that perhaps a reflection on how good and how dangerous we are? Or is it just they're a horrible little team? I think respect plays a part as well because you want to time waste against people that cause you a real threat. So I think that did play a part. Lately, we've been in great form. And... And also, no matter what team you play, you always try to time waste when you're winning. But what they were doing was absolutely disgraceful. From the first, from as soon as they scored, from throw-ins, they were time wasting. From goal kicks, they wasted a good five minutes just from time wasting. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and you'd hope that the referee would be a bit stronger. But uh, back to you, Ed. Yeah, just on the, you just mentioned the ref there. Like, what really wound me up about Mike Dean was they were doing it, and he was like tapping his watch. And then adds on one minute. 
at the end of the <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. but yeah, you, <laughs> exactly. you, you really you really showed them, Mike Dean. They won't be doing yeah. that again. Like, just taking the <laughs> Mickey out of him. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. It's it's one thing for a ref not to notice it. It's quite another for the ref to notice it, acknowledge it, and then do absolutely nothing about yeah. it. Um, which was was quite hard to see. Patrick, you know, you played a lot of football, but what are, what are your views on time wasting in general? Obviously, you've seen us do it, and and you probably have, should we say, less strong views when we do it. Yeah, I hate it. I mean, I, I coach, I've played, and it's the one. It's one of the few things in football that really gets on my nerves, whether I'm playing or or, or or watching a match. I hate when teams do that, especially talking about. It's going the six minute. They get time wasted for eighty four minutes. It's, it's it's ridiculous. It's just it just shows. She doesn't mean to lack of respect for the game in general, but again, as, as Dior said, maybe they were a, a bit concerned about how we play and us coming back in a match. But I, I just absolutely hate that. And again, as Mike Dean for not even book one player because you book you book someone and he, he did nothing about it. It's frustrating. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I don't know. You, this is, it's one of those things, isn't it? Where you, you, it's kind of an accepted part of the game these days. I, I don't really understand why it is. There's so much that's just accepted as part of the game that I think we should be working a lot harder to stamp out but anyway moving on from the general moaning about time wasting and i think we kind of got the moral high ground by just getting on with the game and and, and pressuring uh, pressuring leicester as best we can they didn't look you know they didn't look anywhere near as dangerous on the break as, as they have been and to other teams you think about how well they've played of late you know with with us i think it was only tottenham have got better form than us and leicester and um and how we dealt with them was was admirable restricted them into you know to very very little um but yes you know we were behind and that was that gave them the the option of doing what they did but so uh, we got a chance in the first half uh benteke it was ward who put the ball to the back stick uh benteke knew just saw that the defender had misjudged it and took it down on his chest struck it with his left foot uh good save but it looped right up and uh should we say that it looked a suspicion of handball particularly if you've seen the photos of it uh dr what did you make of that? First of all, good chance. Was that a handball? It was a handball, but uh, but uh, sorry, let me start this. So it was a handball, and the linesman was in a good position. But if you actually look at it in a replay, in the last second, Ulua actually comes in front of King, so he uh, he blocks a vision from the linesman and uh, King who done the handball. So it's very hard to spot, and also it happened very quickly. So it's just one of them things that. You just can't, you just can't spot it because it happened very quickly and you couldn't see it. No, that's, that's well pointed out about you, uh, stepping across the, the the line of vision. I didn't see that part myself because uh, there's actually two of them effectively handballed it, um, and you've also got punch there, sort of backing in. So, Patrick, is is it something you can forgive as Dr. sort of hit the nail on the head there in terms of it being obscured, or would you like to have seen maybe a bit more from the players? The crowd was certainly up about it. Yeah, I noticed the, the crowd in Whitehall Lane. They all immediately they went up. I thought watching yesterday at the football factory, there was a handball immediately. But again, as DR said, the, I, I didn't see Mike D anywhere in in, in his shots. So I don't think he saw it at all. The AR was definitely blocked out. It took me three replays to see it. Honestly, to see the handball, I didn't see it immediately. I just I just wanted it because I'm a Palace supporter. But yeah. having seen that that photo, it looked like a handball. But like I said, I'm not gonna kill them not calling it. What I'd like to see again, I've always said it. I'd like to see video replay. There was a replay in that position, and we could get, you know, get officiated better. I'd like to see, you know, that that's the kind of play where you'd have to have a video because again, you couldn't see that real time, so it wouldn't be fair. But again, um, I thought it at the time it was a handball, just again hoping. But again, I don't think the the AR or the referee could have possibly seen that to call that for a penalty. It would be unfair. And last comment on that, Ed. I mean, I, I like Patrick. When the first time I saw it, and bearing in mind that was from my letterbox view in the Alpha Way, I thought that uh, there was a clear infringement on the line there. And I saw how mad people were going in the, uh, you know, in the uh, the, the White Horse Lane end. I keep wanting to call it the Saints present, but the White Horse Lane end. And uh, mm-hmm. and you know, it wasn't the first time. We'll come to some more incidents in it. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, from the upper homes there, where I said it was a stonewall penalty every day of the week, but. That's just because I'm a Palace fan. Uh, I've been seeing it back <laughs> on. Uh, I've been seeing it back even on the like TV replays. I couldn't be a hundred percent sure. It's just that one. I think it was a, a photo that I saw circulating on right. Twitter where it's like he's nearly catching it in the sort of <laughs> groove of his elbow. Uh, is the only one that. I mean, it is a penalty because I've seen that. But even seeing like the TV replays on Match of the Day and stuff when I got home, I wasn't convinced watching that. So I don't think you can. Uh, we can slate Mike Dean later, but for that one, I don't think you can uh, give him too much grief. 
you're absolutely right. We can can indeed slate him later. Hmm, interesting. My uh, my notes seem to have disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> How does that happen? Oh, they're they're back. Everyone, don't panic. They are back. Um, so, uh, I mean, that was pretty much the in terms of the actual chances. That was pretty much it for the first half. You know, we, we've had the goal we've conceded. We had Benteke nearly scoring. There were a couple of moments, good crosses in, uh, one from Townsend in particular, that was just flicked over Benteke's head by Robert Huth. Uh, otherwise, Benteke's scoring that one, definitely. And Zaha kind of doesn't know how to adjust on the back post and ends up sort of shinning it directly up in the air and head in hands kind of moment. But, you know, he's, he's been a bit hard on himself there. Very, very difficult ball to, to do anything with, really. But um, in general, what was pleasing is that we saw the, the, the team, the heads didn't drop. The effort was still there. Finished the the, the, the half the better team, and, and importantly, um, Dale, we were applauded off, weren't we? Fans fans really appreciating the effort in the first half. Hmm. Silence. <laughs> can anyone else hear me? I can hear. Not going to comment there, Dale. I did ask you a question. You're right, mate. Oh, you asked me a question. Doesn't matter. Well, Should we move on? Let's sorry, sorry, let's make sure we play that back to Dr later on, um, <laughs> and see what see what he thinks about it. Uh, are we on your phone, mate? Was that what it was? It's usually oh, what I happens honestly... when we're on the Xbox and stuff. I was just saying no, it was no, nice honestly... to see us. Nice to see us applauded I'm... off at halftime, wasn't it? I was just oh, yeah, I heard that, but I didn't hear you say my name. Yeah, it was nice to see us applauded off halftime. <laughs> see, <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's, it's very weird. I didn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was nice to be applauded off halftime. We put a good shift, and after the after the first goal, we still tried to battle it out. So when uh, we conceded, so yeah, it was good. But we get into a, a very very eventful second half now. Um, almost the, the first thing that happened in the, in, in the half was Zaha getting in down the right, um, beats two players, and then crosses it in, and it hits. Well, it appears to hit O'Brien's arm. He says chest uh, penalty. Discuss. Who wants to take that, Patrick? Again. On the replay, he puts his hand and goes chest. On the replay, I couldn't tell if it's his chest or his arm. Again, I yelled in the football factory again, penalty, but I couldn't see it. And I'm missing a replay that's definitive that says it's a handball, so I can't really get too upset at that. So, nah, This one for me was um, it, it was difficult because I've seen an angle of it where it looks blatant. Where it looks really oh, okay. blatant. He's almost, oh, okay. he's almost brought his right arm across and sort of almost punched it out of play. But then you see it from an angle behind the goal, and it, I think he misses it with his arm, and it actually hits him in the chest. <laughs> so uh, you know, I kind of almost want to get, claim it for intent, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Uh, go on, Ed. What's your view? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> exactly the same as you. When I see it on that replay from that other angle, you can see it does hit his sort of uh, right, sort of pectoral, but when it, where it is is sort of right in front of where I sit, and I was up convinced it was a, a penalty and calling Mike Dean all sorts of names and suggesting his parents weren't married when he was born um, <laughs> <laughs> and giving him all sorts of abuse but yeah watching it back on uh, the replays when I got home yeah I think it does it does hit him in the chest be honest he's got Brighton in his name so it's very difficult not to hate exactly. him every time he's mentioned or every time you exactly. see his name in any form is um, yeah and he's yeah, another one of his celebrity ref like Clattenburg, so yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, it's um, let's let's. The, the, I think the, the the big point from that incident, where yes, we're claiming for a penalty, and it, and it probably wasn't. We've got the corner. We've we've got the you know the impetus in the half once more. Um, ball comes in. It's you know it's half cleared away by less. It's a good header out, I suppose, and um, it, it just happens to fall to Mares. Now Mares has, has held off the challenge of Zaha. Uh, you could argue maybe Wilf could do, to do a little bit more there, but the sort of key moment in this is Kabai just lets Vardy run. Now Vardy's always going to do that, you know. And and if you look at Leicester over the last what must be nearly two years now, that's it, Mares to Vardy. All right, you might as well just say that. That's that kind of sums Leicester up. It's at least you know at least in sort of seventy eighty percent of. Their best work is Mares Tavardi, um, and I just I don't know what's where to even start on this. Kabai has let him run, which is bad, and he realizes too late. But Schlupp's with him, 
Okay, so it's a great ball from Mares. Should we do more to stop the ball being played? Yes, we absolutely should. You know, maybe that's a little bit of defensive inexperience from Wilf because bring him down, foul him, whatever it takes. You don't let him have that opportunity to put the ball through through like that because Vardy's all about pace and aggression and all that kind of stuff. But Schlupp is is quick, very very quick. So when that breakaway is happening, I'm thinking, oh god, but Vardy's going to get there. But at least we've got a a quick defender who's going to keep up with him. All he needs to do, and he did the right thing at first, showed him onto his right. Just sort of, and, he, and you think he's running away from goal a little bit, so we're okay here. One little sort of chop, and he's back on his left foot. And, you know, Schlupp should do better there. And then, of course, you have the shot from Vardy. Wayne gets two hands to it, can't keep it out, uh, and, and we're 2-0 down. And I'm just, you know, absolutely, you know, almost rock bottom at that point because, I mean, that ended up being Leicester's only chance, really, proper chance of... of Certainly, their only effort on target in the second half, and it looks like the game's dead. And and, and I'll, I'll start with you on this one, Ed. So much went wrong there. What 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 do you want to pick out? Uh, I mean, there, there's a, it's a sort of you can pick out a few. The corner, whether that's he's knocked it in the right place, and the people that are supposed to be hitting the runs are not making it. It's not a bad corner, but there's no one even near it. And it's just a free header away, or whether he's saying it's going back post, and he's ended up under hitting it front post it's easy head away yeah I think Wilf has just got to take a yellow card there probably I used to have to put £100 a season when I played football away for things like that going back from your own corner you just kick them and take the yellow card um, and then yeah I mean Vardy's quicker but Schlupp is not sort of struggling to keep up with him or anything like that but he just shows him a little bit too much that way Vardy cuts back in and uh, decent shot of his left foot but I think Wayne Hennessy should be saving it if you get two two hands onto a shot like that you should be able to get one decent hand on it to tip it around the post before he does get the little touch on it he gets it's not going you know tucking right inside the corner it's going two foot inside the post I think he's got to be saving that for me DR, your your views on Hennessy then obviously this is with respect to Wayne because he's been superb of late it, it, not just in, in making saves but in his all round game he's given a lot of confidence to the back line um, and you could see he was distraught after that as he you know he, he should be doing better right yeah he should be doing better Wayne has been brilliant for us in the last couple of games he's literally a change player since the new uh, goalkeeper staff came in and yeah he should have done better but every goalkeeper even the best goal- goalkeepers do mistakes so it just one he has to go over unfortunately and it just happens it's, Part of the game, yeah. So, it's an, an, so yeah. An, 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 last word on it, really, Patrick. You know, again, I'm not deliberately trying to bring you in on the on the Wayne Hennessy debate here, but just looking at that incident in particular, um, and and the fact that Wayne himself is is disappointed with it. He was, you know, he, he hasn't really done too much wrong other than not be strong enough with his hands, right? I think position was very poor on it, Chris. Um, if you look at the replay, he's very much to the his left side of the goal. He left. He he gave Vardy his right-hand side or Vardy's left-hand side. So I think his footwork, which you talked about in the past, wasn't great on that play. Um, and this point, I did more actually in Schlupp because I think Schlupp's got to just show him the outside. Basic defending is that, um, you know, you give the guy the outside. If he gets across it, whatever, that's fine. But you can't really land the cut-ins. And, and I'd be disappointed. I, I like Schlupp, but he's definitely not a defender. He's, he's more, he's, 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 you know, he tries hard. He fills in well. But he's just not a, a pure defender, you can just tell. But again, getting beat by Vardy like that way, you know, better defenders but beat by Vardy. So that happens. But again, I'm disappointed in Schlupp. But again, I think Hennessy gets two hands. He, he should be making a, a better save than that. Or make, making a save instead of parrying it to the net. Yeah, I was, I was chatting in the pub after the game about it. And a, and a friend of mine, Ian, was saying, you know, you can't be too old on Hennessy for that. And, 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 in, and he pointed out, and I can understand it, he, he pointed out, do you remember when AJ used to do that? You know, didn't everyone knew what he was going to do? Yeah. But just for whatever for whatever reason, it, you just couldn't stop it. It was just the strike was always too clean. It was always too you know exactly where it needed to be. And, and Vardy's just in that kind of place again because obviously he was all last season, struggled at the start of this. But where he is now, it just seems if he hits it, it's going to go in. And um, you know, instead for for that reason, he doesn't think we should be too hard on. On Wayne Hennessy, and I can see that. I can see that argument. You know, you're, you're as you as you say, Patrick. You know, Vardy does it to, to more people than than Palace and Wayne Hennessy and Jeffrey Slupp. It's it's you know a lot of people have struggled to to stop him. 
And I think, you know, when you look at the, the game situation at, at this point, we're 2-0 down to Leicester, as a lot of teams have been there as well. And um, not so many that do what we did and, and fight back. And, and the key thing has got to be that we fought back straight away, um, went up the other end and, and scored, basically. Started again, as a, as a lot of things did, with, um, with Zaha going in down the right. Uh, didn't have his best of games, but put it across, found its way to the, towards the back post to, uh, to Schlupp who's um, driven in a shot, no real conviction to it, and it's hit a defender and fell perfectly for Kabai. But what I really liked um, about this, Patrick, and I, I want to start with you because we talked about Kabai quite a lot. What I really liked about this was Kabai's movement. He uh, he was sort of involved in the move um, into play to play Will Finn down the right, but he just stayed in that area and kind of just wandered, just sort of tiptoed into sort of the, the in line with the penalty spot without anyone really sort of picking him up. Uh, good movement and just you know clinical finish and that's that's what we've been wanting from Kabai for a long time. Yeah, I've been a critic of his, Chris, but I've I've been very impressed with how he's played um, under Allardyce, especially the last four or five games. I've been wanting to score goals in big occasions. He did against Arsenal. Yes, it was a very big goal. And you're right. I think him being pushed forward more and having Luca behind him has really freed him up to be a player that we knew he was, the one at Newcastle and, and at PSG. And again, you're right, he, he he does kind of start the move himself by getting the ball wide to Wolf and then comes back across and Schlupp kind of miss kicks it and he gets the rebound. But you're right, Kabai's play has gone up a, a, a notch and a half. And, I, and I'm really happy to see that because, again, I've been a brave critic of his because I know he was a better player than that. And I, I think that goal yesterday speaks to how much he's improved. I mean, he's got now two goals in you know in the last two games. That's, that's great for, for him or, or even any midfielder. Ed, I was still too angry to celebrate the, the the goal we scored after the second we conceded. But uh, I take it you weren't the same. You had a, uh, but did you have a good feeling at that point? Think we were we were going to get back into this one? Yeah, I mean it was ideal, sort of within a few minutes, sort of getting that first goal back, which got sort of live and the t- switched the mood quite quickly. I think if it had been to, gone two 0 down and it had been another ten or fifteen minutes, there's a chance the game might have fizzled out. But getting it, getting that first goal back quite quickly was quite important, and it was yes, a little strike, stroke of luck from uh, Schlapp sort of scuffing his shot a bit, and it ricocheting off I think Danny Simpson and ending up. But uh, Kabaya yeah, just keep mo- keep moving in the box, and he just drifted into a little spot on the penalty yeah, on the by the penalty spot, and uh, no one was sort of with him. So yeah, but yeah, ideal that we pulled that one back so quickly. Absolutely right. And uh, DL, we're going to kind of review some some recent comments. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In just a moment, uh, but so we're going to revisit a few of the subjects we were talking about. Brent's got in touch talking about Mike Dean and says, After that game, I don't think Mike Dean knows the difference between handball and non deliberate handball anyway, which is a fair point. Not sure what Mike Dean does actually know, he's uh, certainly likes controversy. But DR, you've got some comments uh, on, on the sub- things we've been talking about up on uh, on Facebook there. Yeah, I got some. Sorry, I sounded about 500 years old when I said that up on the old <laughs> Facebook there the, from the internet. <laughs> 
don't know what's happened. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, some uh, some Kirsten has said uh, Kobayas has uh, been different class uh, last few games and Daniel Opoku, he said uh, I was surprised that Slot was keeping even up with Vardy. So that was a surprise to him. And going back to the Hennessy incident, some Kirsten's and Nick Fogpo agrees with him. He said that Hennessy should have saved and it was poor goalkeeping. Yeah, there you go. Uh, cheers for that, everybody. Much appreciated. Um, so, look, we we got back into the game. It's it's two one, and um, I think that's the, the first time it, the atmosphere wasn't terrible, but it was a little bit flat until I think that goal went in, and um, I think that was the moment that everyone kind of woke up. And again, I, I you know I hate to blame success for it, but I do blame the Arsenal game for that because it's very hard to to kind of reach that level of a high. Um, once you've once you've gone and smashed Arsenal three, you know, which is so rare for us. Uh, I think anything that that was going to feel like an anticlimax at that point. But you know, we went on and we um, very very much sort of pushed pushed Leicester from that point. And there really was only one team that was actually trying to win it. Uh, Leicester had somehow got themselves two goals, but, but you know, we were the, the team that kind of deserved it. We deserved that little bit of luck for for Kabay's goal, and, and you know. It was just all us after that. Eventually, the substitution uh, Schlupp came off. Interesting game. We'll talk individual performance in a bit. But uh, Van Arnholt uh, came on and replaced him. And it was Van Arnholt sort of uh, driving forward down the left, knocking a ball to Townsend. And we saw and Townsend at his very, very best with an absolutely glorious cross from the left. You know, keeper can't come and get anywhere near it. Defence don't really know how to defend it. it. It's too high for those at the front post. It's perfectly dropping on the back post. And you can see, you can see Benteke, almost as it comes off of Townsend's foot, his eyes light up and he knows exactly where he needs to be. And it doesn't matter who's in his way, he's going to get there. And it was an absolutely fantastic header to, to get us back to 2-2. There's a lot I want to talk about that, um, guys. And Again, if I might start with you, Patrick. A lot of talk about from the Leicester players that that was a foul from Benteke. Uh, I liked the fact that, that pretty much every pundit has said no, not a chance. He's wanted it more. He's got up early. His eyes are on the ball. He's not pushed the player. He's just out jumped him. He's just out timed him. And it was, you know, all the stuff you want to say about Mike Dean. He's absolutely called that one perfectly for me. I agree. And I was actually kind of surprised because normally a ball like that, when a player goes down, the defender, you're going to call a foul. But you're absolutely right. Um, Benteke timed the jump perfectly. It's a great ball by um, Townsend. It might be the ball that uh, Will put into um, Benteke for the, the Middlesbrough goal earlier in the season. A, a, a nice checked-up ball. Something that they might be working on in, in training because they've done it so many times this season. And if you put balls in the air for Benteke, he's going to score. Um, just real quick, Chris, there's a stat that says um, Benteke's got 21 headed goals since he debuted in the Premier League, which is more than anybody except for Giroud. So, obviously, we know that as a strength of his, you know, so a great ball and a great header. Again, um, I just thought the defender had been been the one to be a little stronger. He might have gotten a foul call, but he, he was very weak on it. He didn't he didn't like it wanted anything to do with Benteke. And I actually thought Benteke bullied him the entire match. I thought Hoof played him much better, but I thought he he bullied Bernard Wayne, like he bullied the uh, Arsenal centre backs all game. And again, that's why you and I have defended Benteke all, all season, Chris. That's why I'm talking. People don't people were saying before about how he hasn't been playing well. I've I've always said that you give him the right service, he'll score. He's a brilliant striker. You just have to play to his strengths. Absolutely right, and we'll talk a little bit about the form after we have our little mid-show break in just a moment. I've realised that we've been going on a little bit long, and I've got to kind of speed things up. So, you know, that, that's the analysis we're going to do on the second goal, and it was all Palace after that. You know, really in this ascendancy, the, the crowd was up, the players were up, we were just attack after attack after attack. Zaha got in down the right, and Andrew, take, take, might take your views on this, um, beating about three players, and it's just that moment where... He's got to make the final decision. Does he smash it across or does he do what he's done in a couple of occasions? Once for us uh, against, was it Watford? Um, and, one, and once for Ivory Coast um, when he sort of dribbled past a bunch of people and smashed it into the roof of the net. He tries it again. Has he kind of earned the right to do that? Uh, I mean, to a degree, but I think that has to go across the goal for me there. It's a lovely old move. It's great. I think his punch plays the ball into Benteke's feet, doesn't he? He spreads it wide to Zaha. Like you said, beats a couple of players, but I think if he just goes hard and low across the six-yard box with it, it's either Benteke or if it's a defender, it's a 50-50 whether he turns it in his own net or it goes out for a corner. I think given the angle, you've just got to play percentages there and make the right choice. But 
he does just rather lash at it and it goes uh, sort of high, wide and handsome. Yeah, he looks very, very disappointed afterwards. But um, again, it's great to see that kind of attacking intent anyway. I'm very, very unlucky not to get the third there. And the final sort of chance we had um, to make it 3-2 DR was uh, Benteke was played in down the left. And we've been seeing this a bit more with uh, Benteke of late, where he's actually carrying the ball and running at the defence. Uh, really, you know, we kind of used to him as this, you know, kind of object to hit. And we, we've seen him finish and get, him, get the tap-ins. But he, had a, he was having a bit of a run at the defence. He ran in down the left. Got him very, very close, and uh, it was a shot. Tried to sort of shoot it across Michael. He's just sort of stuck out his uh, his left arm and, and knocked it across the line when there's no one there to tap it in. But great to see Benteke run it at defence, isn't it? Yeah, he's changed. He's more running at defence than just headering it. Yeah, you could argue that he does do we running for headers mainly, but he does now run at the defence, and he's a danger man. Like yesterday, he could have easily scored that. Uh, but he was just unlucky. It was a great save, and the angle was a little bit tight. But yeah, it's good to see Benteke run. He's a dan- he's a dangerous man when he's running at the defence. Yeah, and that's, that's got to be it's got to be a bit of confidence as as much as anything. I don't think anyone's come out and said you know you've got to change how you play, Christian. I think it's just when he's got belief, when he's scoring goals, that's that's probably what it is. And moves on to fourteen goals for the season, which you know for all the kind of question marks that have been raised. By, by much of the support over Christian Benteke this year, you know you've, we've spent thirty million quid, but thirty million quid for fourteen goals, you know, at our level isn't actually that bad. So it sounds actually sickening to say it, but it really isn't bad at all. Um, and could have had a lot more, particularly if the team were playing like they are now for the rest of the season. I think you know we could have we could have been seeing twenty goals there, and you know, few games left yet. We'll see how close he gets, but in a rich vein of form at the moment. And Chris. Um if you go back, you'll notice every goal that he scores, I think bar one, we've gotten points in those matches. I think the only time he scored, we didn't get points with the Swansea match. So he's, his goals are important goals. And that's that's why I think it's important in having a strike like that to score when we need to score. Absolutely right. And, and again, more kudos for Big Sam, who said um, it wasn't that long ago where he talked about the fact, well, if we get Christian scoring, we'll be even more of a threat. And he's uh, yep. proven correct again. Got him Spot scoring. On. Yep. And, uh, yeah, credit goes there as well. Um, if we get time, we'll talk a bit more about uh, Big Sam later on. But uh, we've got a few more topics to cover as well. Um, we're going to go for forward reviews right now. Uh, when we come back, uh, if you do want to get in touch with the show, uh, you can do so. Um, I think <laughs> well, I've got to try and remember the phone number off the top of my head. Is that going to happen, do you think? 0208 123 6699. If you do want to get in touch with the show, um, we're coming right back just after forward reviews. Chris Marshall, one step nearer safety. Chris White, 250 appearances for Zaha. Tom Flurry, fair resort, not safe. Jeff Warren, the hunt is on. Gareth Jones, Hennessy two-hand flap. Peter Anthony, what's with Wilf's boots? Amor Patria, would take a draw. Matt Miller, can't take much more. Ben Agbemoni, edging closer to safety. Bill Relier, I've lost my voice. Ian Regal's Ashby, bringing on the Brighton. Jacqueline Ann Hart, hard-fought comeback. Holly Butler, all the points matter. Anthony Peacock, a step nearer safety. Edward Porter, Palace surge to 15th. Drew Gentry, Sam's Eagles don't quit. John Burr, great character by Palace. Kevin, who's Red and Blue Army? Mike Oxmoor, the real Andros Townsend. And Neville Grimmer should make it now. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. There we go. Those were your views on uh, forward reviews. Thank you to everyone who sent those in. We can't use them all every week, but we do use a selection, uh, particularly those that um, that amuse us. And some of them, some of the names are made up, aren't they, dear? Hundred percent. Mikey does on purpose and. It's always his fault. Whenever I mix names, he, he knows what names I can't pronounce properly, and he just picks on me. Mike Oxmo. <laughs> what? Like what? Like which one? Like was it Mike? <laughs> someone? <laughs> Mike? Someone? 
Yeah, someone might. Yeah, let's not go. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) We won't keep going on about it. (laughs) Yeah, Um, we should, but we won't. Good stuff. I mean, we are incredibly childish, and I can only apologise for the fact that we picked on the youngest member of the team to do that. Um, But I had nothing to do with it. It was was all producer Mikey. Anyway, listen, uh, second talk, there's a phrase that's been going around. It's been going around before the game, but particularly after the game, used it myself uh, on Twitter. It's the phrase, respect the point. Okay? Um, we're all saying it now. It was the only the fifth draw of the season for Palace, I believe. Um, it's something, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is not because it's suddenly become popular use. In particular, it's because, I mean, I myself raised this as a problem. Um, sort of when when Allardyce was appointed, um, one of his first comments was talking about start with a point and then see if we can win. And we all we didn't like it. We 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 didn't we didn't like that attitude. We thought well. And quite understandably, thought the team needs wins. The team needs three points. It's not no point going into games thinking, well, let's get a draw, and if we can win, great. But let's let's make sure we get a point first. Have we all been fickle? Have we all flipped completely now, gents? <laughs> are we are we starting to feel like we have to eat our words? Start with you, Ed. Do you respect the point now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah necessarily like the the prospect of going into dreams looking for a draw and if you get a win it's a bonus but at the same time like yesterday when we went 2-0 down I think in the world of Pardew you'd have seen Fraser Campbell and people like that coming on thinking we must chase this game and then Leicester would just pick you off and we'd have lost 3 or 4-0 but it was okay let's not panic let's just keep playing our way we received like I said earlier it was a big help that we got the goal first goal back quite quickly but then the sort of we didn't then go chasing the game. We just kept playing the way he set us up to play and kept sort of knocking on the door looking for the second. It wasn't sort of throw everyone on and end up getting picked off on the counter-attack and losing comfortably. Um, and then when it got to two, all, we did have a good go at getting the third, but then I think when it got to maybe the last five or ten minutes, I think he was, okay, well, we've had a go at it. But, you know, this is a good point against a decent side and we'll take it, so... I've got no problem with it, especially with the way the results went yesterday. It's a good point with us. It probably means that Swansea need to win three of their remaining five and us not pick up any points for us to to get dragged down. So yeah, yeah, looking looking a lot better. Yeah, those those points make all the difference at this stage. But Patrick, have we perhaps misunderstood earlier on in the season when when Sam Allardyce has spoken and said you know start with the point and then go on from there? Has it was he in fact not saying let's go into a game looking to draw? Was he saying let's go into into a game making sure we stay in it? Were we being a bit too literal, or is it just simply the fact that we have picked up these wins and it's a lot easier to, take, to sort of stomach the idea of of playing for a point? No, I think it's what you, the latter you said. I think it's more situational where you know you start with the point, just make sure you get the point, and you move from there. I'm um, going back in the season, Chris. If we had done had that philosophy against Burnley, Swansea. And Hull, we'd have at least four or five more points. We'd be safe already now. Put it the same manager, which wouldn't be a good thing. But um, but the point being is that you know we we've never respected the point. You know, early in the season under under, under Alan Pardew, we just didn't respect the point. We we lost so many matches early in the season where we could have really just gotten a point. Ed brought out you know the you know couple of the Swansea game was a was a joke. Burnley was a bigger joke. So um, I, I I like you was very hesitant with with Allardyce, but I got to give him credit. I I, I love the way he conducts himself with the players. He changed our total philosophy around as far as the mentality of our players. is much, much stronger. Yesterday aside, I mean, even I thought we'd come back yesterday. I really think we think we're going to come back from 2-0 because I think the team is just different mentally. They're physically stronger. Tactically, he sets us up in, in the right way. We'll talk later, later how he's improved people like Benteke, Kabai, Townsend in particular. have just raised their level of their game. Our defenders are much, much better. You can credit... Um, you know, Hennessy, Sacco, Milivojevic for that. But, you know, Ward's gotten better. So I think respecting the point is, 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 a, is a good thing. Again, it's situational. Like yesterday, again, you're playing the, the defending Premier League champions who play Atletico in the Champions League quarterfinals. You know, yeah, you get a point from that. It's, it's a bonus. You know, we beat Arsenal, we beat Chelsea. So I think it's definitely a matter of, you know, not being defensively, but just understanding you can go in there with a point. If you go forward, you, you beat Arsenal, great. If you don't, you take a point from them also. But I just think it's more a situational thing. Again, I'll say again, he's done a really good job tactically with our side, Allardyce, in every situation so far. Maybe Ball Southampton, but that was more of a, I think, tiredness than really a poor, poorly set up. 
Yeah, it's nice that that was a blip rather than... Um, yeah, we had a, exactly. We had a, we've had two blips against South, Southampton this year. One was a 3-0 win and one was a 3-1 defeat. <laughs> exactly. I know which one Absolutely. I'd rather have. So uh, DR, a, a bit more of a general point. Uh, Brent's got in touch and said, listen, boys, Big Sam knows what he's doing and we were lucky to have got him when we did. Um, give you a chance to give you, uh, give your views on, on Allardyce. I don't, you know, it's hard to remember. Were you happy when we got him and how do you feel now? I was really happy when we got him because... Um, he sets the team out. He, he, which from the day he comes in, for, with the other clubs he's been to as well, we can see that he, he tells his team what he wants to do. We'll part you, we'll all be listed, we're running all over the place and trying to play amazing football, which we couldn't. Uh, so when we came in, I knew that defensively, that we were going to be solid. And I was happy that we're going to finally aim to get points because points like that, like Patrick said, it matter. If we, if under Pardew, if we did set up defensively a little bit more, then we would be safe by now. But we didn't. Yeah, so no that's why Aladaz, by Aladaz coming in, I was really happy because I'm, I, from now on, I knew that we're going to be more solid in defence and we can also, also in the counter-attack, we have the players to cause threats. So it was, I was excited by it where, I, where most people wasn't. And I understand why there wasn't, but I was one of the people that was excited by him. And Ed, you've got a couple of comments uh, on Facebook regarding Big Sam. Yeah, I'm uh, Mark Callahan on Facebook saying uh, Sam deserves a lot of credit and still confidence in the players. Each player knows their job now uh, and they were lost under Pardew. Uh, he also says Big Sam, Little Sam is a good combo. Um, Sommer Kearson is saying where are all the Sam haters now? Uh, and Gary Carter says going down, are we we got Big <laughs> Sam and we're staying up. <laughs> love it uh, we'll come to the chat room in just a second Patrick I just, in, the, in answer to the question where are the big Sam haters now oh, I, I, I'm here I'm one of them I was um, I'm still I've, here I've, too I've, 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 I've said it I'm as fickle as anyone right I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan you talk about the work that big Sam has done on making the team more confident when well, he's also done a work on me <laughs> you know uh, and I suppose a lot of the fan base as well he's, he's won me over we're playing decent football um, getting the basics right is a lot more entertaining when you're picking up points I can tell you that much um, and, and we knew this as well. We all said it when even even Terence, who's probably the biggest big Sam hater out there, to the point <laughs> yeah. where I was I was trying to convince him to get his photo taken with him at the <laughs> at the club event we went to <laughs> last Tuesday. And he was um he was like a stroppy child when I was saying, Come on, <laughs> come on, mate, <laughs> get a picture. He wasn't having any of it. But um, <laughs> you know, and he it, you know, a lot of that's non non football reasons, but but basically you know, I, I hold my hands up. I, I was worried that, and I'll I tell you the thing that's, it, it, it hasn't been answered. It wasn't just, I didn't think he was the right person at that time because I felt there was too, almost too much to do to kind of, but, but he didn't panic. You know, he knew that we were going to struggle. He said we weren't, we were going to struggle till sort of towards the end of March, but I didn't think that that gave us enough time. But, yep. you know, such such as it has happened, we did have, it was enough time. And the effect that he's made and the signings that he's made have been fantastic. So I can't possibly sit here and say, oh, I had it right. I didn't have it right. I was completely <laughs> wrong. But what happens from here on is the next stage of what I was concerned about. What does what does Big Sam do now? How does he take us on? How does he build something? Now, it was interesting to hear him talk about that in, in midweek as well. In I think it was in the pre-Leicester press conference or perhaps in another article in the paper. But he was saying... You know, he was the the biggest sort of time, the the, the best time he had in football in terms of building a club was at Bolton. And um and what happened? He left Bolton because they were no longer ambitious. So my concern was he's never built anything anywhere that's lasted. He's never gone somewhere and left a legacy that has seen that club go on to prosper. And that he's a man, he's a manager. You know, in his sixties now, he's at the latter end of his managerial career. He's talked about the fact that he thought Sunderland might have been his last job. But uh, you know, we've had a few managers come to uh, to us and say that this is definitely their last job and carry on. But it it's one of those. It's where do we go from here? He keeps us safe, but is it short termism? And that remains to be seen. I've got a lot more confidence that he can build something for someone else to take on now than I did have before we joined the club because he is talking about the academy and he is talking about next season and what we do if we stay up and all that kind of stuff but you know still there's question marks there but brilliant brilliant stuff so far from Sam he's, he's won me over you know easy I'm, I'm, a, I'm cheap basically um, <laughs> Patrick you've got some chat room stuff there yeah well, um, chat rooms wholeradio.net back uh, forward slash chat um, cool eagle 89 uh, says he's added at least 10% to every play, which I totally agree with. Like he said he would. I agree with that. That's a great, great comment. Um, 
Tim Gypsy, Tim Gypsy Hill 64. I hated him. Still don't love him. Um, and uh, Booted Eagle, again, he's got it bang on with his predictions and has turned out fortunes, no mistake. And uh, again, I'm kind of like with Tim. Again, I don't love him, but I really did. I hate him when he played Scott here. And I, I had a, you know, I, my, a lot of my issues with Panagers are, are personal things, how they conduct stuff off the field, etc. But And even his style of play. But I've got to give him credit. Like I said, Chris, he's done a great job. Like yesterday, for instance, is a good example. Yesterday, Leicester did not want to play football. They came here looking to counterattack the entire game, which is what we want to do. So we had to change our whole style of play. We had to go, and to get a point from a team that want to play football, it's, it's really remarkable because look how we played against Chelsea and Arsenal. They had the ball sitting center time, and we had to sit off, you know, counterattack. Yes, we had to take the initiative to Leicester and somehow pulled out a draw. So you've got to give a guy credit for doing that because in the past, we would never have gotten a point out of a team like Leicester. Yeah, absolutely right. Credit where it's due. Indeed. Well, let's... Um... Let's move on to talk about the individual performances. Let's start with Andros Townsend and Christian Benteke. Now, Townsend, um, for me, I said I said this uh, again in, in pub chat after the game, where I said um, it's it's been such a big difference since um, since Townsend discovered his Anne, which was a joke about his first name. Did you see, Dross got it. Yeah, he's rediscovered his Anne. <laughs> it's, it's, it's clever, isn't it? Dr, you, do you like that one? Yeah, Silence. it's not. It's not. Yeah, nah, nah. I don't know. I'll give it. I'll give it. Yeah, just go, go. I'll give that one. <laughs> All right, thanks. I feel good now. You appreciated my, my hilarity. Uh, Townsend is a is a different player now. They are just just wax lyrical a bit, and that what that means is just say good things about Andros Townsend and how impressed you are now. Yeah, I'm very impressed with Andrew Townsend. He's changed dramatically, eh? and the reason for that, I think, is more Big Sam because. I feel like he's gave him more confidence uh, when attacking. And you could see on the pitch, it, it has to be Big Sam because as soon as Pardew has left, he, he now wants to play for the badge. He, as soon as he loses the ball, even when he doesn't have the ball, even when someone else loses it, he goes there. He wants to get the ball. And yeah, every other player does it. But I just notice him doing it the most. Like He just runs, he runs, he doesn't stop anymore. And I think Big Sam might have said, don't stop, just run. And that might have impacted him. And from then on, he's been getting assists. Um, he has boosting confidence. That's why he's playing like this. Yeah, it's interesting you, you point that out again. And there was a there was an article that Andros was interviewed in saying, and he said, you know, quite early on when when Sammy Lee came to the club, he asked Sammy Lee because obviously he knew him from the England setup, and said, you know, what am I, what am I doing wrong here? What's what's happened? What's going on? And Sammy Lee was very very honest with him and said, you you know, when you when you come come away and play with England. You give it everything in training. You give it everything when you're on the pitch. And you're not giving it everything here. And apparently Andrews Townsend said, yeah, I, I really need, needed to hear that. And Sammy Lee was kind of too right you needed to hear that. You don't need <laughs> me to tell you it. You should know it yourself. You're a professional footballer. Right. You're, a, you know, you're an adult. You don't, you don't need your coach to tell you you're not trying hard enough. You should know you're not trying hard enough. And, and Patrick, what we see now is a player who... You know, he is as far from not trying hard enough as you can get. As DR has said, he just does not stop running. What an engine he's got now. Yeah, Chris, you, you nailed it. It's Sammy Lee. It, I, I, I'll say it a hundred times. It's Sammy Lee. Sammy Lee changed his whole, has changed his whole career because to make that comment and him to react to that has been great. I was always a little concerned about the comment that um, Pardew made about him not wanting to play on the, um, on the left side. To put that in public to me was a little strange. And since he's since uh, Allardyce taken over, he's played left side, right side, and he's been effective on both sides. I mean, the, the cross yesterday was from the left side. So the fact that he was kind of called out like that, I don't think he liked that. I think that kind of also put him in a, in a, in a, in a kind of a mood. But again, going back to what you just said, Sammy Lee has, has really changed his, changed his Palace career. I mean, it, there's a stat out. He has been directly involved in seven goals this season uh, for Palace. Three goals, four assists. It's the most he's ever had in the top flight. He's having his best season ever in the Premier League under us, and I and I and I killed him. And listen, I was I'm being honest. I don't like to be I don't like to be a phony. If I don't like a player, I'll tell you. And I thought it was horrible at the beginning of the year, and I thought it was a really bad signing. And I thought that you know I said to myself, well, he had that one good game against us, you know, the Newcastle the free kick. And I, uh, that aside, I was never really impressed with him. But he does play well for England, and what you just said makes sense. He plays well for England. Maybe it was Sam Lee at England setup that makes him play so much better. And I'm really glad we have the league. I thought Lee coming in has, has just been a revelation. You could just tell the way he is on the sideline and with the players. And what you just said just now about talk, putting the player aside and saying you've got to up, up your game and he's done it. It's, it's been brilliant. So, again, got to give uh, Townsend credit for upping his game. But, again, I'll give Sammy Lee credit for being a very good man-manager of players. 
Uh, time is against us, Ed, so I'll, uh, you'll have to keep your powder dry on Townsend for another show. But Christian Benteke, um, great performance um, you know, in, in the game against Leicester. Absolutely fantastic sort of front man kind of display where he was, you know, he was there to be hit with a long direct play but got involved all over the pitch, ran his socks off, was dangerous, never gave him a moment's peace. A lot of people say, you know, again, this is a coaching improvement and all this kind of stuff. How much of it do you think is coaching improvement and how much of it is just the fact that his teammates are now playing a system that works and now playing with confidence and giving him service and that kind of stuff? I suppose what I'm getting at is, is was I right before when I said the problem isn't Benteke's effort, the problem is what's going on around him? Yeah, I mean, I think on previous shows I agreed with you on that, and I think it's the way the team's set up now. Obviously, we just talked about how much better Townsend has been. You know, you can have Wolf playing as well as you can on one wing, but if you've got another guy doing it on the same wing, which also creates more space for Wolf, who's playing well on the other side, getting so much more decent service into the box, like the cross he scored from yesterday, that Townsend's been from just standing it up to the back post. He's going to win that all day long. He just bullied the um Leicester centre halves yesterday. I mean that goal. I think the foot, Fuchs or whatever he's called, Fuchs, the left back, uh, was marking him initially. If you watch on the, and he shrugs him off, and then just out completely out jumps their centre half and just can bullies him out of the way of it. And yesterday he just won so much in the air, so many flick ons, bringing it down, bringing other players in, and I think having he was isolated a lot under Pardew because it was very much let's play out keep it on the floor, get the boys, the wider guys out right on the touch lines. Whereas now he's quite often, when we do go direct to him, you see Wilf, if you look at their sort of, that map that shows sort of where they were positioned on average throughout the game, they're a lot more central than they used to be because they come in and drift and his flicks are going to people rather than in the past he'd flip, be flicking balls on to nobody. So I think a lot of it is to do with the way the team's playing, the way we're set up and the form of sort of Kabai coming back in, Townsend improving massively, which is helping him so much and now we're getting the best out of him. Ed, um, is this is I know, I'm, I'm wasting time what we haven't got here, but I just oh, there's a sound that was coming from you that sounds like well I are you sort of like um like Mr. T? Do you have like a lot of gold chains that you're wearing? And like <laughs> I don't kind know. of jangling a bit? That's what no. it sounds like. Everyone else hear that? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I uh, ignore listeners... it like a professional that I am. Oh, yeah, listen, I'm, that everyone knows. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I will not ignore anything. Uh, I will spend showtime bringing up stuff that I should, we should be talking about in post-production <laughs> and seeing if Mikey can isolate and reduce that noise or anything like that. Nope, not interested. It's going in the show. Uh, those of you listening on the podcast, do get in touch and f- just speculate on what that could be that Ed has got that is making that noise. Good stuff. <laughs> right, okay. Um, we were going to talk a lot more about some individual performances, but um, I think we'll leave that for another time. Uh, plenty more football to be played uh, for the rest of the season. And we can start talking about the likes of Luca, who had a, a slightly you know, weaker game than of late, but was still key in certain moments. Interesting passing, a little bit erratic at times. Uh, was Ward good? How well has Kelly done? Jeff Schlapp or, or Van Arnholt, which is better defensively? All that kind of stuff. Was on the was on the uh, was on the cards, but we'll leave it for another time. Uh, but just if I can get your man of the match, please, gentlemen. I'll be very surprised if you don't think the same as me. But let's find out, Dr. Who was your man of the match? Andros Townsend. Okay, and Patrick, who was your man of the match? I would have gone with him because that was an easy call. I'm going to go with Benteke because of his work rate, uh, what he created, and also getting that uh, the goal was a very important goal. I'm going to go with Benteke. Okay, Ed, who was your man of the match? Townsend for me. Yeah, it was Andrus Townsend, Patrick, was the correct answer. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, completely, I completely understand. <laughs> uh, Benteke was, was easily second there. You know, it was a quieter game for the Wolf Zaha, um, but, uh, but, and Townsend absolutely outshone him with his performance. Full of energy, full of running, dangerous crosses. Uh, didn't Agreed. give a, a, the opposition a moment's rest, but again, Christian Benteke, as we've talked about, was, was equally difficult Um to play against so that was critical in our ability to get back into the game to make it 2-2 and to very very be very very close to getting 3-2 but again Palace march on 35 points looking very very good for us especially with other results going our way don't forget to uh, download the podcast for Terence's preview show in midweek as we go looking forward to the Liverpool match being played on Sunday 
Um, that is right, isn't it? It's been played on Sunday. Yes. Correct. Yes. 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 And we'll probably be doing a show, those of you that aren't going to the game, we'll probably be doing a show to start pretty much within half an hour of that game finishing. We're going to put ourselves under pressure and uh, give a chance to talk about a famous win uh, at Anfield. I've, I've done it. I've, I've, gone, I've gone for it. Spoilers. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> my thanks to Marky for producing to DR to Patrick and to Ed for their wonderful chat my thanks to all of you as well for getting in touch with the show Short, sorry to get to your comments or anything like that all of them were read all of them were appreciated speak to you again soon bye now Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Mike Oxmoor. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.